Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back to another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today we are going to a state that holds a special place in my heart, which I can, you know, talk a little bit later on. But we are obviously here to talk about the beer scene in Kansas. And as always, I have an amazing guest with me, Ben. And so, Ben, why don't you go ahead and get started with just kind of a brief introduction about what got you into beer, how you're part of the beer community. And then I also know that you are drinking a local craft beer there. So you can kind of provide as that part of the introduction as to what you are drinking tonight as we record. Sure. Hi, my name is Ben Ashworth. Um, I'm a big Kansas beer aficionado, more, you know, national beer aficionado, but something you take what you get. And uh, here in Kansas, I am drinking an Oktoberfest, which is uh, one of Free State's pretty famous beers. I believe that Beer Advocate has this Oktoberfest ranked as one of the uh, best Oktoberfest in the country. Free State, as I'll probably go on and talk about here, is you know one of our main breweries in Kansas that kind of has forged the beer scene. And uh, it's now October 2nd, so it seems like a, a good time to have an Oktoberfest. I always get excited when I see this one back on the shelves. Uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of beer, um, I just learned at a certain point to value quality over quantity. And there was a time obviously in, in, in college where, you know, a, a, a night of drinking was me having 22 cores lights and calling it a night. Um, once I started realizing that a, that was probably not the most healthy approach to beer and B that there was such good beer out there. Uh, I immediately just latched onto the idea of, of how much all these uh, various breweries, both outside of Kansas and inside of Kansas, had to offer that you know you you could basically make a great night out of going somewhere and trying three different beers as opposed to going to a bar and having a, a, a bunch of you know light beer, out of state beer type of stuff like that, cheap whiskey. Uh, there's something to be said for being able to go someplace where they make their beer in house, where they are proud of what they are making where um, you're basically drinking their product in front of them. And really, it's, it's a, just a much more kind of intimate, rewarding experience than you really get uh, elsewhere in the, in, the, in the beer that you drink. And so um, as I started to drink a little bit more in the terms of the craft beer scene and, and Kansas got a little bit more with the times in the craft beer scene, my opportunities for that uh, expanded and... Um, as I, you know, went out into the job force and was able to make enough money to kind of uh, afford the craft beer habit, uh, that certainly helped too. Um, as far as what I am in the craft beer scene here, I would more just say an aficionado. Um, I would like some time to get into into brewing, um, but at this point in, in my career, after spending a bunch of time going to law school and then the first seven years of practice having lawyer hours, um, you know, you don't have necessarily time for all that. And so, uh, I love the brewery scene in Kansas. I love to tout the breweries that I think are good. And I love to chat with the people who make the beer when I'm there. And, um, I would say that's, you know, my role. I'm not going to overstate my, my craft beer ability. I, I, I like to drink it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that, that's a, that's a great way to be. I mean, that's essentially what I, I have done. I'm, you know, do some of the podcasting and, you know, trying to do some writing stuff. But overall, I mean, 
I don't consider myself an expert. I'm just a dude that really loves craft beer, really loves visiting craft breweries and telling the stories about it. And that's how this kind of all came to be. Uh, and so now we're going to kind of start with a, with, a, with a couple macro views of the state of Kansas and, and, and craft beer. A good chunk of the state's breweries can be kind of grouped into four areas, Wichita, Topeka, Lawrence, and the Kansas City metro area. You know, unsurprisingly, it kind of follows the, the population centers and where there's more density. Uh, but in those four areas, what, what kind of makes those cities and regions distinct when it comes to craft beer? And is there one that you would maybe most recommend for, for a beercation and why? Sure. Um, there's probably two good answers to this. The first answer is that for a beercation, the Kansas City metropolitan area is going to be your best location. The proviso to that answer is that 90% of the breweries in the, or maybe 80% of the breweries in the Kansas City metropolitan area are on the Missouri side. And so that doesn't necessarily jive all that well with the idea of Kansas beer. Um, but I cannot recommend enough coming in and checking out the Kansas City metropolitan area. There is great beer on both sides, happens to be more in Missouri than in Kansas. But if you are, for some reason, drawing a, a invisible line down the, down the state line and refusing to let yourself cross the state line and stay in Kansas, then that certainly limits your options a bit. Although uh, in the last five years, uh, there has been a, 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 mar a remarkable improvement in terms of the options that you have. It's still not really... Um, commensurate with what you see in, in Missouri, what you see in most other major cities. Uh, Wichita is, has about five or six breweries. So not, you know, not like the Portland or Oregon's or the Asheville, North Carolina's where there's a gazillion of them, but all five or six of the, of the Wichita breweries are, are fantastic. Um, and so in this hypothetical where we're going to kind of ignore Missouri breweries a little bit, I would have to say that, uh, that Wichita is the answer. And I think that you're right that there are four distinct brewery areas. I think one of the things that we may talk about a little bit later is that there's a ton of room for growth in Kansas because I'd love for that to change. And for them, you know, there's tons of just nice, quaint, historic little towns in Kansas who over the last two years have started popping up their microbrewery scene. Now, maybe that's just one, and maybe one brewery does not a, a beer trip make. Um, but I think they're getting toward the idea where you're going to have an answer to that. That's more than four, four locations. Um, Kansas is such a city that, you know, Midwest nice is such a phrase. Everyone here is so, so pleasant and so polite and so friendly that that is the focus of the breweries all across the four regions is that the idea is making it kind of a, a, a neighborhood area for friends and family to go to and for people, if they want to just go out and have a beer by themselves, some place where they can go and meet somebody and chat about beer, chat about things other than beer. Uh, that is a pretty overarching thing that all of the areas have. I would say that they're a little different in their execution of that. Um, Wichita kind of has uh, it's four or five predominant breweries um, alongside one kind of main drag of Wichita, um, where you can kind of, if you wanted to walk a mile, mile and a half, you'd be able to hit about five of them uh, within that period. Um, and so it kind of lends a little bit more to the idea of brewery hopping. Um, 
Kansas, uh, Kansas City, Kansas, on the other hand, um, is pretty sprawled out because when we're talking Kansas City, Kansas, we're talking the um, suburban Kansas cities that are right outside of Kansas City. And so each of one of them has their own little downtown. They're all part of a greater metropolitan area, but your, your ability to kind of do a, a crawl there is limited. However, there are, <clears throat> you know, 10, 12 different little suburbs of, of Kansas City on the Kansas side that each have a little tiny distinct beer scene. Um, and that kind of differentiates Kansas from Wichita in that Wichita's is all kind of condensed in one place. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri is also condensed in one place pretty much in downtown. But if we're not talking about that, we're talking about the Kansas side of Kansas City, um, then that would be a difference there. Topeka um, is kind of... <laughs> I don't want to besmirch the good name of our of our lovely state capital, but Topeka is all the breweries are in the the in the city, much like they are with Wichita, but they are not near each other. Topeka is just kind of uh, has the capital building and then just sprawls out ten miles in any direction, and so the idea of of doing a um, a fairly simple bar or brewery crawl like you can do in Wichita is um a little more limited but topeka still has a pretty a pretty good brewery scene it has one of the the um original kansas breweries in blind tiger and um people are in topeka are pretty passionate about the, the beer scene there and um but just kind of has the little twist makes it a little bit different from what you see in um in wichita where they're kind of in one location in kansas city where there's where they're sprawled throughout different cities and then in Topeka where they're sprawled throughout one city. Um, and then finally there's, there's Lawrence and Lawrence has to kind of abide by the, the college bar mentality. Lawrence is where the university of Kansas is. And so um, the, the breweries there obviously are, you know, are, I wouldn't say are not family friendly because they are, but they're geared a little bit more towards college students. They have uh, you know, various specials that run on a given night in order to attract the college students. Um, several of them are, you know, a little more geared towards KU athletics. Um, and so that would kind of be Lawrence. And every, I, I've, I've been to most of the breweries in all four of these particular cities, and, and they all certainly have their merits. But I would say Wichita's beer quality is, is the highest if we're limiting ourselves to Kansas. Um, and Kansas City, Kansas is beer quality is not far behind with the proviso, as I mentioned, that a lot of good ones located next door. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was a great explanation and way to kind of break down the differences. And, and you kind of hinted at some of these smaller cities getting their own beer seeds and, you know, from Garden City to Pittsburgh and the Far East and then Cortland to Winfield, North to South. There are a variety of breweries kind of getting scattered throughout the rest of the state away from those kind of four main areas. Are there any spots that you would like to highlight that are a little more maybe off the beaten path that may not fall under one of these jurisdictions that most people would maybe be more likely to visit? Sure. Um, and a good way to visit some of these places is to come to Kansas City, to drive to Wichita, to stop at places on the way, um, maybe a little bit out of the way. They're not all along the highway, but that's kind of the good way to do it. And that's where the beer scene is expanding and where my limitations of that I haven't necessarily tried a lot of these come into play um, in terms of the, the non-big four breweries. But I know 
enough about the Kansas beer scene and I've talked to enough people in Kansas that I know that there are some really good places that are popping up in various cities. You mentioned Winfield. Um, Winfield, Kansas is where they have uh, an annual bluegrass festival that's extremely popular, brings people into the city. It's a little bit south of Wichita. Um, they opened up their first microbrewery called Ladybird Brewing. And um, Ladybird Brewing is, as far as I understand, the second female owned and brewed brewery in, in Kansas. And so we're talking like a small town, not to be stereotypical, but that generally you wouldn't think that in, in, in the past that you'd have a woman run brewery in one of these small town Kansas locations. But uh, I mean, I've heard that Ladybird is, is is fantastic, and it's 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 so good to see um, kind of women entering the craft beer scene a little bit more. Uh, very slowly, obviously, we've got fifty craft breweries in Kansas. Only two of them have have women ownership and and, and brewery stakes. But it's it, it's it's really heartening to see that happening in a small town like Winfield. And all the reviews I've seen of Ladybird are fantastic. So um, not a terribly far drive from Wichita, and I'd like to make that trip uh, sometime when I'm, I'm in Wichita. Um, other places are, there's uh, Great Bend is when you get a little further west past Wichita. Um, there are two breweries in Great Bend now, which two breweries makes a brewery trip as far as I'm concerned. Um, one of them, Dry Lake Brewing, I've heard nothing but good things about. Um, I've heard that they have a, a flagship Irish red ale that's, that, that, that's really good there. Uh, the reviews have always been fantastic of it. Um, and I can't recall off the top of my head what the second brewery is in that town, but I, I really do think that with these smaller towns that have one brewery, once that one gets up to speed and, and they aren't saturated by having a second one, that is where these little road trips from people who live in Wichita and live in Kansas city are really going to start thriving where you can take this a day trip and go check out two places, go to a great bend, go to a, a Winfield. If they opened a second one, um, garden city is another small city in Kansas, um, that I've heard hidden trail brewing is a nice place. All these spots have opened up in the last two years. This is kind of the, what the growth in Kansas is looking like. But uh, they kind of have some arcade stuff going there, from what I've heard, and have some uh, have some good good beer. They have a flagship brew there that's a Mexican lager that we don't get a ton of good Mexican lagers in 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 the Kansas area. That's that's generally not something I see too often on my on my travels throughout the state. So I mean that's exciting. Um, McPherson, Kansas, which is another one that's probably within an hour hour and a half of Wichita, but not particularly close to Kansas city, uh, has three rings brewing, which, uh, I understand to be excellent. There's only so much you can read into Google reviews. Um, especially in Kansas where people are so nice, they only give you five-star ratings. Um, but, um, but three rings has like 4.9 stars on Google with a pretty hefty number of reviews. Um, pretty sure it's easy to read into that, that that's a, going to be a, a place that's going to be on the Kansas beer scene for a while. Uh, Pittsburgh, you mentioned, I believe you've been to Pittsburgh or you have a, a connection to Pittsburgh, but they've got drop the H brewing, which I think is a pretty clever brewery name, given that Pittsburgh, Kansas is spelled like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but without the H. So I think that's a, a, a nice brewery there. And, and then, you know, there's, there's breweries popping up. I feel by like by the year there, 
up in northern Kansas is a place completely unexplored by me that I know has uh, several ones that are popping up closer to the Nebraska border. Um, there's just a whole lot of potential for for growth and expansion in the Kansas beer scene based on these smaller towns. And whenever I stop in one of these smaller towns, once I've been to, for example, Radius Brewing in Emporia. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was packed to the gills when I was there. Yeah. And so, I mean, these are places where the benefit is mutual. We're having the small, you know, the small town brewery uh, not only benefits the, 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 the beer scene in overall Kansas, it very much benefits the city itself. I mean, these are things that contribute to the local commerce of a city and, you know, potentially create little downtown squares and other things. Same thing as in Ottawa, Kansas, which is a little bit closer to Kansas City, but they've got a brewery there called Not Lost. And I feel like it's kind of revitalized the Ottawa Square a little bit. And I've seen, you know, that several other places, not breweries, but just little mom and pop shops or, or, or retailers are popping up around there. And um, it's a way that this kind of craft beer explosion can really operate to the benefit of these smaller towns. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in complete agreement. Just this isn't necessarily a Kansas in particular, but I, I love the movement of all of these more rural areas because this is happening all over, whether you're in Wisconsin, you're in Iowa, you're in Georgia, you're in yeah. Kansas, more and more of these small towns to mid-sized cities are getting their own breweries. And, and like you mentioned, yeah, so I, I do have my, my grandparents, like both of my grandparents are from technically they lived in California their entire adult lives. But on one set of my grandparents grew up in Southeast Kansas. My grandma went to Pittsburgh state, which if you're a division two football aficionado, you know, the gorillas are kind of a national powerhouse. Oh yeah. Um, I know the gorillas. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, from they, they have a small, they had a lake cabin in Southeast Kansas, my entire life until, uh, it would have been now four years ago. Um, so I, I spent my entire life growing up, going to Kansas every summer for usually a couple weeks at least. Um, and they did, eventually, you know, decide to have to sell the cabin because they were splitting their time 50-50 between California and Kansas. And believe it or not, my grandparents are now at an age where bouncing back and forth across the country all the time was no longer a smart idea. Um, but when, so I have not been down to Kansas since then. So I was not there when the two breweries in Pittsburgh had opened. Uh, the other one in Pittsburgh, Jolly, Jolly Fox, Fox, right? Yeah, Jolly Fox, I think they were in the process of opening when I was there and they were not yet though. I think they were still a few months out. So I did not mm -hmm. get to go there. Um, but I've still been to a handful of Kansas breweries, but it's always exciting for me to hear that this kind of rural movement is happening in, in all the different parts of the country because they are like they've become more of the neighborhood spot. Like it's almost, you know, what brewing used to be. You weren't making beer to try to ship around the country. You're making beer for the people living in your community, in your neighborhood, um, which is a really cool thing to be able to do. And and, you know, I think you kind of hinted at this, too, talking about some of like the alcohol laws and stuff. And this is a topic that I always kind of like to touch on, especially in states where you're not a, you know, a place like Oregon or a Colorado that was at kind of the forefront of the craft beer movement. Kansas has a really interesting history with alcohol and has some of the stricter alcohol laws yeah. when you look around the country. Uh, you know, some regulations have been kind of lifted and altered and even just in more recent years, it just became legal in 2019 that it allowed, you know, grocery stores to sell higher ABV beers. So do you feel like some of these changes have finally kind of had like a, a good effect on the craft beer boom, essentially, and allowing more growth naturally? Absolutely. Before about 2015, I would say there was River City Brewing in Wichita. There was Blind 
Tiger in Topeka. And there was a place called Tall Grass Brewing, which is not open anymore, in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And then Free State in Lawrence. And those were like the four breweries that we had in the state in 2015, which is kind of a few years in. Yeah, like that, that's less than a decade ago. I mean, that's yeah. 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 And so almost every brewery that I'm talking about, and maybe if, with a few exceptions, because I don't profess to know the exact history of every of every brewery. But, you know, in the last 10 years, when those those regulations have finally loosened is is uh, when the brewery scene in Kansas has kind of come along. But you can certainly see that there are a whole bunch of ripple effects from those kind of uh the, that kind of enforcement in that Kansas, to be quite honest, as much as I love it. And I think that it's beer scene is really coming along is probably about 10 years behind the game. Uh, you know, and, and cause they just got to a point about, about 10 years ago where other major cities were the 10 years prior. And so like, there's a whole lot of, of, of potential for, for Kansas, both for people, who live here and for brewers who live outside of Kansas, who are maybe looking for a spot to be able to open up their own place in a, in a place that's not overly saturated with beer for, for them to open. And, and, and the reason why I say all this is because Kansas's beer laws um, are, are pretty crazy. And it's, it's equally crazy that Kansas and, and Kansas city share a border with Missouri, which notoriously has some of the laxest beer laws in the, in the country kind of based on, all the uh, all the lobbying that Bush was able to do um, in keeping those laws lax, but in Kansas, uh, in in 1880 was uh, when Kansas um, in 1880 was when Kansas passed prohibition, and so they were the first state to the United States passed prohibition in the 18th amendment. So Kansas kind of did that because they were kind of a cowboy state and, and the saloons in Kansas made everybody think that uh, all the, all the people who weren't saloon goers think that alcohol was this tremendous evil and was causing people to, to engage in sinful practices and everything. So in, in 1880 is, is when prohibition actually came along in Kansas. And that was before any other state put in prohibition. And like I said, before um, the United States, 49, 40, 39 years in 1919 was when the 18th amendment was passed. So 39 years before um, prohibition came about nationally, it came about in the state. Um, And, and so for example, I, I read in an article somewhere that in the years prior to 1880, um, which is when prohibition was instituted, Kansas had as many breweries then as it has now. Um, and that was, I read that article in early 2022. And so it was probably not true anymore because I would guess 10 to 15 places have opened up in the meantime. But as of 2022, we had less breweries in 2022 than we had in 1875. Um, there's a pretty famous um, court case that w- was in the front of the Kansas Supreme Court. And just to give a little bit of, of, of background, I'm an attorney. Uh, I'm certainly not... Um, Particular, I don't practice in anything related to alcohol, but the the stereotype that attorneys like their alcohol is certainly true. Um, but in in the years prior to 1880, in Atchison, Kansas, this guy named uh, Peter Mugler 
uh, spent $10,000, which I can't even imagine what the conversion rate is to, to this day, but spent $10,000 opening up a brewery um, in Atchison, Kansas in 1877. Um, and then three years later, prohibition was passed and he was arrested for criminal activity for, for, for selling alcohol. And he appealed to the Supreme Court, um, basically saying that they didn't have the power to do what they did. And they it, it was essentially what you call it a taking under the Constitution in which the government came and completely stripped the value of his property. And he said that they didn't have the right to do that. And the Kansas Supreme Court made up of a bunch of people who were probably put in by, you know, um, prohibitionists very much said, you're, you know, it, you're out of luck. Um, and and it's, it's funny because I went to a um, a brewery that was in Salina called Blue Sky and they have a, a brewery there. Their, their IPA is called Muggler's Revenge. Um, I guess giving him a, a little bit of a um, letting him fight back years after his death knowing that we can we can legally uh, drink beer. And if he wanted to open a brewery in the year 2023, he could do so without losing $10,000. Anyway, um, and so 1919 came along, the 18th Amendment came about and nationally barred prohibition. But obviously that didn't last long, at least from a national perspective. Um, the national ban on prohibition was, right, was, was lifted in 1933. And that was in the 21st Amendment. Um, which I find somewhat interesting that um, Kansas has never ratified the 21st Amendment. Uh, you need three-fourths of the states to ratify in order to um, ratify a, an amendment into the Constitution. Um, the 36th state at the time, we only had 48 states, so 36 got the job done. The 36th state to ratify it was Utah, which is generally known as the state with the most draconian liquor laws. So in some ways, Kansas is falling behind the state of Utah with regard to the its its liquor laws at this time, um, a year after um, prohibition um, was was um, reversed in 1933, it was put on the ballot in Kansas, where it lost big time. Uh, so they, Kansas continued to be a, a, a dry state. Um, the the senators in power there were the there were the dries and there were the wets. That was the name of the two schools of thought on the subject and what kind of defined some of the, the politicians and Congress people within, within Kansas were the people who wanted prohibition gone were the wets. The people who wanted prohibition to stay were the dries. And in 34, when it went on the ballot, the dries won big. And so um, uh, after a few years, they finally passed the, uh, the, I think it's called the Cereal Malt Beverage Act, in which they viewed a 3.2 beer is a non-intoxicating liquor. And so they allowed for 3.2 beer to finally come along in like 1937 um, because they just define 3.2 beer as non-intoxicating. Although if you've ever drank a lot of 3.2 beer, you know that's technically not true. You can, uh, eventually, you can eventually get there. It just takes like a little bit more time. Yeah, yes. Um, so then finally in, in, in um, 1948, it lifted prohibition. But that didn't necessarily mean that you could have open saloons. So in lifting prohibition in 48, they basically only allowed liquor to be sold in, in liquor stores and not kind of like just buy a beer at a liquor store at a, at a bar like we do all the time today. Um, so in 1949, when uh, that came along, it only allowed beer to be sold at liquor stores. 
Um, and it um, basically said open saloons are forever prohibited. And so the idea behind these people making laws was that this is the way it's going to be forever. Now, obviously, we know that's not necessarily true, um, but it took another 16 years before there was any allowing of um, Kansas residents to drink in a, in, a, in a saloon. But that was only in membership saloons. So in 1965, the Kansas legislature passed the Private Club Act, which essentially said that if you wanted to sell beer at your establishment, you had to create membership cards that cost $10 and had 10, 10 day waiting periods. And so then that, after 16 years of, of, of only alcohol and liquor stores, that became the kind of norm is that, uh, I think that's how Blind Tiger kind of came about in Topeka, is that they, they had these private membership drinking establishments. Um, and that was the case for until the mid eighties. And so we're talking like people in their, people who are in their late thirties in Kansas were born into a world in which you could only drink at a bar if you paid for a membership card. Uh, I mean, so that wasn't until 1986 in which they finally um, allowed beer to be sold um, in, in bars without requiring membership, just generally openly. And they did that on a, um, they allowed for the counties to kind of self-regulate that. But um, the law itself technically stated that 30% of the sales of um, these bars had to come from food. And so um, counties could reject that. A lot of counties didn't, but then you basically got these drinking establishments that had no real intention of trying to sell food, which now in order to remain open and keep its liquor license intact, had to make 30% of its profits from food. So even in 86, when we're finally allowing some people to sell beer in bars, there's still all these strings attached. Um, one thing that I missed, that's a, a, a funny story that's, that's kind of well known in, in the, the Kansas liquor scene is that in, in 1970, the Kansas attorney general, his name was Vern Miller. And, um, he was legitimately arresting stewards and, um, and, uh, people who worked on airlines for serving alcohol in the airspace above Kansas. So he was like so steadfast. He had, he had his binoculars out there checking, yeah. checking uh, the, the, <laughs> the numbers on the, on the wings and everything. Yeah. I have no idea how in practicality this was, <laughs> but pretty, pretty famously in, in, in 1970, he went after airlines for serving alcohol in, in the airspace above Kansas. And so um, 86 comes around and finally some things are lifted. Microbreweries are allowed in 1987 for the first time. Um, but then that was pretty much the status quo, which was that, um, <clears throat> you know, you needed to make some money from food when you sold beer. Uh, I don't know if I specifically mentioned, but I know that you did that, uh, grocery stores could only sell three, two beer. Um, and so people who were, who were brewing beer had to brew a, of, uh, you know, their general 5% or whatever, you know, for example, bo like um, Boulevard's Pale Ale. Uh, that's a Missouri beer, but Boulevard's Pale Ale is a pretty famous beer. Um, it's like five and a half percent, but they had to brew a completely special 3.2 beer to sell in grocery stores. Um, and I mean, it just, it just created all kinds of, of, of hassles and obstacles 
for for local breweries to do so. I mean, the Kansas beer scene, as I said, still even when it was allowed in 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 '86, um, never really started flourishing until until much more recently. Um, a lot of that is because as years have gone, counties have less and less enforced the 30% requirement. And so um, a lot less counties require breweries to have, a, you know, to find some way to sell food. Um, and so that loosened up things a lot in Kansas. Now we've got, you know, we went from having zero breweries in Shawnee, for example, to four. We have got four that popped up in the last, I think, five to six years. And I think a lot of that is because these places that really had no interest in the culinary arts just wanted to brew beer. We're finally able to do that without risking their, their liquor license. Um, an interesting Kansas liquor law that got uh, that, that, that went away in 2011 uh, was the prohibition on happy hours, which was a particularly odd Kansas rule. But in, in until 2011, you couldn't have a drink special that did not last the entire day. Um, and so you couldn't do a happy hour special because that was, you know, generally what three to five and that was illegal. So if you wanted to have a drink special, it had to be from open to close. And so I grew up, uh, I went to KU 2007 to 2011. We didn't have happy hours until I graduated. And so, um, you know, all these bars had their daily specials that everybody went out to do, but like the first happy hour I went to was at a brewery in Lawrence called 23rd street brewery. Um, and they had dollar 10 ounce beers from three to five. They put this in right after the, the, the law got taken away. And I was like, what world have I been living in where I have not been able to do this? Uh, I mean, just not one that, um, probably had all that much real practical effect places can survive with doing all day drinking spe drink specials rather than happy hours. But it, I think it's pretty illustrative of how out of touch all these laws were. And so then in 20 it wasn't until 2017 that um, the grocery stores could sell non three, two beer. And there's still uh, prohibitions on that. You can't sell beer more than 6% in Kansas. And so you're not going to really? see, a, you're not going to see a barley wine. You're not going to see most IPAs, no whiskey stouts. Yeah. Um, I know that again, to go back to Boulevard, which is technically outside of the purview of Kansas, but Boulevard has a, uh, two pretty well-regarded IPAs, um, the space camper and the single wide and the space, they're both like 5.9%. And I'm, I've, I've never been told this, but I'm fairly certain it's so they can sell it in Kansas, in Kansas grocery stores. Um, but anyway, the whole idea of this being that <clears throat> the, the laws in, in Kansas have been absolutely wild since 1880. And we're basically back to a point where we're <clears throat> mostly on par with all other states, but the ripple effects from this, I mean, how long it takes a brewery scene to get, a, to get established. Uh, I mean, that's really set the state back and why we basically went from four breweries up until 2015 to, you know, 40 or whatever we're at now is because they were finally reacting to these, uh, to these draconian liquor laws being, being overruled. Um, and I mean, I would assume that, we're only going to continue to grow. I mean, 40 may have seemed like a lot in 2015, but 40 is not very many for a state. I mean, that's how many are probably in a square mile of Portland, Oregon. Um, and so, I mean, I would, I would assume that Kansas is going to continue to continue to grow and continue to get more and more spots. And it's all because we're recovering from having these crazy laws in place. 
Uh, we still haven't ratified the 21st Amendment, by the way. But uh, I mean, I guess it, no real need to at this yeah, point. Ba baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe we'll get there eventually. But but speaking of that growth, you you know, you kind of hinted at this talking about you know where you may see more growth, whether it's maybe in more of these rural towns springing up breweries, or whether it's higher concentrations in some of the cities that we talked about. Is there one in particular that jumps out to you as okay? this is a place where I see a lot of growth potentially occurring in, in the near future. And are there any other changes that you see possibly coming down the road too? Yeah. Um, so the second largest city in Kansas is not Kansas city. The first is Wichita. Um, obviously Kansas city metropolitan area, much larger, but the second largest city in Kansas is Overland park, which is, a very large sprawling suburb of Kansas city on the Kansas side, about um, probably five miles South of, of downtown Kansas city and stretching to about 20 miles South of downtown Kansas city. And um, they opened four days ago. Uh, they opened up maybe one. Yeah. Four days ago, they opened up their first microbrewery in, in the city of Overland park. Um Actually, well, there's there's one called Brew Lab, but that mostly focuses on allowing people to come in and brew their own stuff um, than, than just your classic pure brewery. But opened up its first one um, called Discourse Brewing, and that opened up on Thursday. And I mean, Overland Park is an enormous city. Downtown Overland Park is one of the nicer little over like it's not a it's not a rundown one horse town type of downtown at all. It's it's it, it's a it's a pretty thriving little uh, suburban metropolis that just had no beer scene for some reason. A lot of other Kansas City suburbs, Shawnee and Mission and and Olathe and and Leewood, they had their breweries, but Overland Park, despite being the largest one, really had nothing. And so I think that's where we're going to see a lot of expansion in 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 the coming years is going to be in in Overland Park. I mean that it, the square footage area of that of that city is tremendous and um I, I would expect that discourse will do very well and that there will be people who follow suit and open up. Um, I also think, I mean, Wichita could do for a few more. I mean, five, six breweries, as good as I think they all are, is not that many breweries for a town the size of, of, of Wichita. I mean, you go in, you go up north, you go to the Pacific Northwest, you've got towns of, of 20,000 that have that many. And so I think that... Um, uh, Wichita has a lot of, of room for expansion. And I think Wichita has a, a pretty well-regarded beer scene. Central Standard Brewing is there. Um, I know that's probably the highest regarded brewery in the state, with maybe the exception of Free State is Central Standard in Wichita. Um, and Norton's is there. And Norton's is, is, is uh, a lot of people are either, you know, their opinion is that Central Standard is the best or their opinion is that Norton's is the best, but it's usually one or the other. Uh, Clearly a very good scene in Wichita that I think will uh, really allow for some good expansion here in, in, in the next couple of years. Um, and then, like I said, little, little towns, um, you know, Mc, I was mentioning like McPherson. Um, or, or, Harder to or, guess on those though, because just all it takes is like one person, you know, that decides yeah. that they want to do it versus there being a population center where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, like there's other breweries kind of around, like you're more likely to see more people maybe yeah. opening up. And, and and then the uh, the technically the, the city of Kansas City Kansas, which is uh, most of the suburbs I've been describing are in the, a county known as Johnson County outside of here, uh, Kansas City Kansas the Kansas City side of Kansas City Missouri proper not metropolitan but proper 
um, located in Wyandotte County, next to nothing um, in terms of a of a brewery scene. They were think going to open one up and um, on the other side of the, the river kind of bisects Kansas and Missouri as it, as it goes through downtown. And they were going to open up a spot, I think in, in 2018 or 2019 on the other side of the river. And either the pandemic made it go away or just, it takes a lot of things to go right to open a brewery. And maybe those things just didn't go right. But there's a lot of, of room really in, in the, um, in the Kansas city, Kansas area for, for expansion. I mean, I, I think that there's, a couple breweries that are in like the Bonner Springs area, which is on the far outskirts of Kansas city, Kansas, but it's, it's, it's real downtown. doesn't have much of anything to speak of. And uh, I think that um, there's a lot of growth, both Overland park wise and Kansas city, Kansas wise. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and just for people that aren't familiar with the area, like I said, I've, I've been through the area many, many times. So I, I know somewhat of, of, of these places and, and Overland park and, and Kansas City, Kansas, to, to the same point, are not like your typical suburbs that are like these smaller suburbs. Like Overland yeah. Park has a population of almost 200,000 people at this point and has been growing rapidly for the last several decades. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City, Kansas is also like almost 150,000 people. So we're not talking about these places yeah. that have a few te- a few tens of thousands of people maybe. Like these mm-hmm. are like bonafide, like if they were by themselves, bonafide si- small cities essentially or even mid-sized cities that, you know, do not, that have not as of yet, kind of been able to establish their own brewing seed. So I, I think yeah. you are definitely have some, some good points there. Um, now kind of looking now, I, I know you talked about Oktoberfest and maybe you'll, maybe you'll say that one again, but I always like to kind of close here with a couple questions about some specific beers and specific breweries. First of all, starting off with, um, I would like you to make a flight of four beers to represent the Kansas beer scene. And this can be well-known flagships. It can be, covering different styles, specific breweries, or j- just the four four favorite beers that you always have in your fridge. Whatever the case is, the, the, the floor is yours for that. Sure. And when, I don't have a lot of these beers in my fridge because um, Wichita beer doesn't really distribute to Kansas City. And Kansas City, Kansas side beer does not really distribute to, to Wichita. So the Wichita one um, that I would have is it's called the Keefe Richards, um, K-E-E-F presumably pun on the Rolling Stones guitarist. Um, it's a stout that uh, is at Central Standard Brewery, which is, I've said, I think is the, the finest brewery that Wichita has to offer. And it's a coconut stout. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's terrific. It's it's such a good beer. Um, and I'm not even like a, a huge coconut guy. I sometimes use my knife to knock the shavings off of a cake of, of coconut, but somehow they've gotten it to work just perfect. And uh, I know it sounds like kind of a niche beer, but it's it's a very popular beer at Central Standard. Um, one that if you talk with people about Central Standard's beer, they'll probably um, mention Central Standard has a, a couple of of, of I, uh, flagship IPAs. You know, the, the classic, the, the the Pilsners, the Wheats. But this stout is is top notch, and I like to have a flight that has a little bit of a variety to it. And so that would be my stout, and that would be my Wichita. Um, is is going to be the the um, Keith Richards. And then I'm going to have an Amber and that would be probably not to, not to go with always go with our uh, flagships here, but one of free state has enough flagships. It's hard to tell, which is, which is their true flagship, but the ad Astra is free state's Amber ale. Um, and it is, a, it, it's just such a, a smooth multi um, beer. It's, it's, it's a fantastic one. Um, and it's it's 
good year round. It's good in the, it's good in June. It's good. It's good in December. Um, it's probably the, the, the free state is probably the most famous brewery in, in Kansas and, and Ad Astra named after, of course, Kansas's uh, motto of Ad Astra per Aspera, um, is, is the finest one that I think free state has to offer. In addition to, there's a barley wine that free state does and this, and this Oktoberfest that are all out of this world. Um, and so I think that, uh, you can't really go wrong with anything at free state. Um, it, I have a, a special place in my heart for it too, because I went to KU for undergrad and law school and free state's the, the big Lawrence brewery and went there all the time. Um, had $2 beer nights on Monday nights when I just, you know, had to go out on a Monday for some reason. Um, but that ad Astra is, 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 is really good. Um, a beer I only had somewhat recently that I think was, it was, was an excellent beer, uh, was from happy Bassett, which is a brewery in Topeka. And, um, the hoppy Bassett IPA is, is, um, one of the IPAs they had on, on draft. And, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was terrific. Um, it was the hot, it was probably a seven and a half percent, um, beer. It wasn't, it wasn't quite, it was it, kind of in between the idea of a, of a, of a West coast and a, and a, and a hazy, one of your kind of classic American style IPAs, but hoppy Bassett is generally regarded as, is I think Topeka's best brewery right now, not its oldest brewery, but it's best brewery. And, uh, the IPA there was really good. So if I'm adding an IPA, to the to the mix um i would go with that one and then the last answer is from my favorite uh personal favorite brewery in kansas which is a brewery called rock creek brewing which maybe uh there's some bias on my part because it is a mile from my house um in in mission kansas uh but well, then it's a good thing up, it's your favorite if it's that close then yeah uh but i i love rock creek it opened up in an old mechanics garage um and it opened up like May 2020. So I was like, oh man, this is not going to make it. But then I went and I did the, you know, direct to consumer, go get the beer, the only way people were drinking and, and, uh, during the pandemic and grab their beer. And I was like, oh no, this, this place is for real. Um, and made sure to go back as many times as I could to keep its doors open until they were able to have people come inside. But they have a, a um, a New England IPA called the Vegas Days. Um, that is, that is, is super tasty. Um, it's, uh, obviously the, the, it's, it's, it's far more, you know, hazy and citric uh, and everything than your, than your classic IPA. But, um, and a lot of times hazy IPAs are New England style or at least going out of style in Kansas. I think they're still pretty big up in the, up in New England, but you don't see them as often in, uh, in breweries anymore. But the, the Vegas days in Rock Creek, is really good. It's not even always on tap because Rock Creek cycles through um, and doesn't really have its flagships that are always on. Um, but when it leaves, it comes back eventually and it's it's always super good. So that flight had a stout and an amber and uh, two two different forms of IPAs. Being in Kansas, I'm not a huge wheat drink wheat beer drinker, but um, if you like wheat beer, Kansas's wheat beer is 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 very good mainly because we're in a state full of wheat so everything is is homegrown there's not much time for it to be sitting out before it goes from the wheat fields right in, right into your belly and so uh it's always very good fresh beers this isn't in kansas but in um you know the boulevard wheat is a classic from from boulevard in missouri um but i recommend even though i'm not a huge wheat beer drinker 
Uh, there's some very good ones in, in Kansas, and you can probably find a good one at almost any place. Um, so while I didn't give any real specifics, uh, find a wheat beer. Yeah, I mean, that that does make a lot of sense. I mean, uh, as someone that grew up driving through Kansas, yes, that 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 definitely plays. Uh, so now that we've done some specific beers, what are maybe uh, three breweries that we've either mentioned already or that we haven't gotten to yet that you wanted to give a shout out to for one reason or another? It can be for the beer. It can be for something else, just whatever you see fit. Um, sure. I'll shout out, uh, 23rd street brewery in, in Lawrence. Um, that is a, a classic Lawrence brewery that has all of the, the beers are pretty much all named after Jayhawk related stuff. The crimson fog is their, their flagship red, red ale fog spelled, uh, P H O G is in fog Allen, um, who was the first basketball coach ever, um, here, here at KU. Um, and 23rd street has, is the place where I would always go to watch a basketball game because I could combine my two loves of, of, of sports and of, uh, of beer. And they had as many TVs as you could ever want a great place to watch them. A lot of breweries don't double as sports bars. They're different, you know, they, they serve different clientele, but in this case, it was always nice, nice to have that. There's a famous food item on the menu called the bill self which is mac and cheese with uh, buffalo chicken tenders on top of it, apparently created by Kansas head coach Bill Self and is a, is a endlessly popular item that is at 23rd Street. So have a lot of love for, uh, for that place. And then um, I think that Sandhills is a terrific brewery. Uh, it's, a, it, its initial um, brewery was in uh, Hutchison, Kansas. Um, without looking at a map, I can't exactly tell you where Hutchison is somewhere where there are sand hills, um, is, is, is where Hutchison is, but they opened up a satellite brewery here in Kansas city, um, which always gives me pause when places are opening up second locations where they really have no roots, but sand hills is, is instantly jumped in and become one of the, one of the better beers in the Kansas city, Kansas area. It is, uh, in, in, on, in mission, Kansas not too far away from the rock Creek that I was describing every beer or 90% of its beers are named after birds. Um, it's flagships are things like the, the, the Junko and the barred owl and the Wren and the Pelican. And somehow their naming of them, the bird always seems to make sense to the style of beer. Uh, who knows if it's just confirmation bias. Um, but, um, that's a, um, a terrific brewery. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're holding on in Hutch and, they're holding on in, 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 in Kansas city. They were one of the breweries that I believe the County that they were in in Hutchison was enforcing the 30% rule up until recently. And so they were having a lot of trouble with, with the 30% rule and trying to sell as many, you know, like snacks as they could. But um, I believe that the, the, the County that they're in changed that. And so they're on um, they're on safe ground again. And then um, let's see a last one. I've already mentioned both rock Creek and central standard um which are 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 very good ones um i will give a shout out to walnut river brewing in uh el dorado kansas um el dorado kansas is about 30 minutes outside of wichita um i went to elder I, I was driving to wichita for a, a wedding last year and hadn't stopped in el dorado before and so just stopped there at you know made sure to leave kansas city an hour early so i could so I could spend some time there and uh, they've got, they've got really good beers um, and, and they've got an Irish red. That's their flagship. That's, that's very good. And they have a Kolsch 
um, called the Teeter Rock Kolsch. And I'm not a huge Kolsch drinker, but it was a, it was a super good uh, drink. Teeter Rock is the name of a of a a rock that just stands in the middle of the of the plains that was just used as a guidepost because it was such a a barren wasteland that they needed somewhere to uh, you know make sure that they knew they weren't lost. So there's just just this big 16 foot rock in the in the middle of nowhere outside of El Dorado called uh, Teeter Rock, but apparently it got a colch named after it, and the colch is quite good. Um, and so uh, it's probably worth a, a, a little detour from a Wichita brew, a brew crawl. Um, it's only 30 minutes or so away, uh, and, and it's it's quite good. Um, and little locally run spot. It was filled with El Dorado residents who were happy to have a brewery there. Um, and uh, you should try it if you're ever in the area. Yeah, absolutely. No, those all sound great. And Ben, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed hearing more about the the Kansas beer scene and getting the the history behind. Like I said, I have a a glossing knowledge of of some of the different beer laws in in different places. But I always love to get more in depth on on what kind of makes a beer scene tick because it does give you kind of pull the pull the curtain back and let you see. Oh, like this is why Kansas's breweries are like there's more of them. There's not as many of them, and the ones that are under younger. And like there's a lot of places like that where the laws are all different, but they've all been constrictive. And so it's good to hear that Kansas's beer scene is really starting to rise up. And like you basically said, it's really exploded in the last less than a decade now where you've really seen almost all of the growth occur. So that, so that is really, really cool to hear. And hopefully that continues to be the case. One so, kind of interesting uh, legal, other legal thing that yeah, I'll throw for sure. in is that uh, there's a, a brewery called Transport Brewing. And I think that you say you've been to Transport? Yes. there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Transport is right next door to a brewery called Service, which is the was the first woman-owned brewery. Yep. As I mentioned, Lady Bird down in uh, Winfield. Service was the, the first one, but Transport's right next door. And Transport marketed itself big on a, as being a dog-friendly brewery. And so always wanted to allow dogs in there. Um, we're very welcoming to them, had a bunch of like dog treats and snacks and stuff for them. But then at some point the legislature decided that that violated the rule against having dogs inside at food preparation locations, because the characteristics of the beer they, they determined were so much like food that the, you know, that the ingredients were, were, I guess, non-liquid, I don't even know. Um, but deemed that it was too close to food preparation and wouldn't allow dogs in their brewery. And so they had to basically tell all their customers that uh, the dogs were no longer allowed. I think took a, they took a huge hit from it. I think that was really tough on them, but they were part of a big lobbying effort to, to turn that, to reverse that law and to carve out breweries from it. And it ultimately uh, they were successful in that carve out. And so dogs are allowed back in, in, in Kansas breweries now, but there was, I guess, a time where they decided to selectively enforce that, Dogs weren't allowed in interesting. In well, I'm glad they were able to get that solved because yeah, especially if that's a big part of you know what what you're pushing in marketing to have that stripped all of a sudden is is a big hit. So good good, good for them and yeah. and and Ben for real. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Uh, I want to give you the chance for any kind of final thoughts, conclusions, and then also make sure you know if people can find you on social media if they want to reach out and have any other questions for you about the Kansas beer scene at all. Sure, I, I um. Can't recommend that you give Kansas beer a try. And if you do come give it a try, I'd give it a try again in three years. Cause I think it'll be totally different. Um, I think that if you've got a Missouri, uh, if you've done a Missouri podcast, I think you should, your listeners should check out that Missouri podcast to, 
to hear um, what Missouri has to offer because there's a whole lot um, in, in the, in the Missouri side of Kansas city and, you know, within 30 miles on that. So, um, you know, a little added incentive to come to, to Kansas is I think you get the best of a neighboring state, which is the best part of Missouri happens to be in the, the 20 miles surrounding Kansas city. Um, and otherwise I, I, I would say that my, my last little message is, you know, if, if, if you're able and you have time and, it won't affect your ability to drive. Stop at a small town brewery when you're driving through it. Um, I love doing that. Uh, you know, dri driving on any road trip, I try to carve out a little bit of time to stop somewhere random to just Google breweries near me when I'm driving and see what pops up and stop at it. And those are some of the best experiences that I've um, ever had. I wanted to add one more note. It's non-Kansas related, but the, the, the brewery that really took me over the edge from casual brewery guy to obsessed brewery guy was when I was in Maine and I was in Maine at a, and I was driving by this uh, brewery called strong brewing. And I think I looked at your website and saw that you'd been there. I have um, actually, that, that isn't, that is not one that you just accidentally stumble upon. That is, yeah. oh, that I is was, out there as a ways. That is not uh, one I of actually, the main freeways. I actually did accidentally stumble upon it because my dad's family uh, his parents are based in Blue Hill, Maine, which is equally out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. It, like I was just up there going to the National Park, Acadia National Park, and then going to the breweries that were within yeah. half an hour. But that is like you're off the beaten track if you get to Strong yeah. Brewery. And so I was driving I was driving by it and saw the, the brewery sign for it. And it looked just like a farmhouse. And so I, I just stopped and I, I went in and it was this older couple who lived on the second story of that house. And they brewed on the first story, had a whole bunch of chickens. Um, but I would drink their beer and they would just be so interested in my, in my life and how I thought of the, in, of the beer and the recommendations for improvement, just their passion for it was so genuine. And I'd never experienced it. I had a beer experience like that, where I was just like in the middle of nowhere with complete strangers who cared so much about what I thought about their beer. And so going to strong brewing in, in Maine really, changed me as a, as a beer nut because it really just showed how many diamonds in the rough there are and how passionate these people are about uh, what they do. And you can support those people just by drinking their products. Joe, you're on mute. Thanks. Uh, and yeah, that, that's a big reason that I, that I love to do this too, is that, you, you know, you find these places and that each one is unique and that you never know when you're going to find that, that awesome experience with great people and, and great beer. So I can totally relate to that. Um, and again, Ben, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Definitely agree. I, I would love to get back down to Kansas at some point. Um, I need to get back just to Kansas city in general. Uh, I I've been there, but not, not, not as of late. So, and if there are any new listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels, on Instagram at Brewery underscore Travels. You can also go to the website, thebrewerytravels.com, where you can find uh, all the different podcast episodes, articles, maps, statistics, all that kind of fun stuff. And remember, whether it's where you're visiting or where you're living, be sure to drink local everywhere. Cheers, everyone. Does it feel like I've been